Hey everybody, this is Awana with the Dealing with Donor Conception podcast, and I want to welcome you back to another episode. This is um, still pretty new as far as podcasts go. Uh, We haven't even reached our 10th episode. So if you're in this now, you're one of my early birds, and I just want to say how grateful I am that you're listening to this. And if we know each other, thank you for your friendship. If um, we've never met, then I'm totally flattered that you were whatever I said to get you in the door, and now you're here. And so I want to give you a gift, and that gift is information that I've taken a long time to learn. Um, I Last episode, I was talking about natural family planning and natural technology, and I, and I spoke a little bit about, you know, you can't just tell people, don't use donor conception. You can't just tell them, no, 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 you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, because they, they hate it. <laughs> And they end up hating you, and it does not feel good to be that person who's rejected all the time. But what I have found is that um, when you can offer real solutions to people, it's the beginning of friendship and community, and you get excited, and people get thrilled to um, share information. And and so I'm really excited to share this episode with you um, all about... DNA tests and how to find your genetic connections. So if you're donor conceived, how to find your sperm donor father or egg donor mother. Uh, If you're a parent who used donor conception and now you realize, you know, maybe my child kind of deserved to know who their other genetic parent is, this episode's for you. And DNA tests are something that are tricky and confusing and expensive and it feels like, man, this is needle in the haystack will ever work and I'm 33 now and when I first became really curious like like obsessively curious about who my biological father was we didn't have DNA tests the way we have them now and it seemed like I would never ever ever get to meet him I would never ever ever get to know whose name what his name was or have have a picture and I was really sad about that Um, so what I did was kind of weird I decided to I knew a couple people who had found their sperm donor fathers a couple donor conceived people but they had spent like 10 years looking for him and I thought to myself I don't know if I could do that so I I'll just dedicate my life to to the activism part and self-soothing in other ways and I wrote a book which was a fictional journey to find him so I made up the story of finding my father and I created a character who I just dreamed up and it was very comforting actually like I got to go through the journey in my imagination um, to fulfill something that I felt needed to happen but I, I, I didn't think it was possible but I'm also happy to announce that I actually do know who he is now and just last week I had my genetic half-sister, his natural daughter, come stay at my house, which is just a profound experience. I haven't met him yet. We haven't broken the the news as to who I am, but I, I look forward to the day, and I know his name, and I've seen pictures, and it's been really satisfying just to have a name and pictures, get a sense of like who the man is, and thus who I am. But the reason that I know who he is is because my mom, because she loves me so much, 
um, figured out the DNA crack code. She cracked the DNA code, and she she bought books and memberships and subscriptions and and researched her butt off for over a year and spent thousands of dollars educating herself on how to do genealogy and how to to find this needle in the haystack. And she and I came up with a presentation that um, should help you figure out your journey, who this person that you've been looking for is. Um, I was going to try to sell this package. I I started like a membership thing and and we were going to, I was going to have people pay for this information and I got some negative feedback. So for those people who felt like I should never have sold this class, um, I get it and I'm sorry. I think, but I think that's part of the choice of do you buy it or not. So you have the choice as to say yes or no. And so, so now I realize that this is information that people, everybody should have. And I've always thought that this is information people should have. Um, I'll earn my income some other way. I'll feed my kids some other way. Now I'm giving this information to you for free because you deserve to have it. So my mom has been helping people find their genetic relatives ever since she first found mine. So she's helped people all over the world. She's helped Vietnamese orphans, um, children of military veterans who went over to Vietnam, had kids, and then went back to the States. And those kids are now entitled to American citizenship and benefits, and there's a lot of them who are seeking out genealogists to verify to the government who they are and who their father is. And so my mom has been helping a lot of those cases, which are tricky cases because they're bilingual, (laughs) not just like, you know, French or Spanish. They're talking about Vietnamese, right? It's a very difficult um, language barriers to overcome. And she's been having great success with these people. And so she put together for me um, nine tips that will help you find your genetic contacts, your biological father, your biological mother. And these are kind of mistakes to avoid, um, rookie mistakes, things people typically do that you, sh- that you should not do, and we're, we're going to correct your processes. And I want to start off with a quote. This is a Chinese proverb, and it says, To forget one's ancestors is to be a brook without a source, a tree without a root. Now, what is the first mistake people make when they go on their DNA journey? Well, they order the wrong test. That's the mistake they make. Not all DNA tests are created equal. If your goal is to find a previously unknown biological family due to donor conception or adoption or just because you don't know for sure who your parents are, your best test, your best bet is the AncestryDNA.com test. So if you're on a limited budget or you, you just you don't know where to start, the best test for you to take is AncestryDNA.com. They have the largest database by far of any of the other testing companies. So if you can only afford one test, this is the one that you should buy. There are some copycat companies that 
try to use a similar name. So there's like ancestrybydna.com, but don't be fooled by that. You need to go to ancestrydna.com and you need to order their autosomal DNA test. What autosomal means, it's all the, the, um, the, the chromosomes except for the sex chromosomes. Okay, everything else but the sex ones. So if you are blessed with financial abundance, good for you. There's definitely benefits to testing with additional companies. The main advantage of getting the other tests is to cast your net as far and wide as possible. So it's kind of a gamble as to which company your biological family may have chosen to use as their testing company of choice. Um, so we recommend going with uh, these companies. So uh, a good second choice after AncestryDNA.com is the 23andMe test. Um, there's a high likelihood of connecting with family because they did a lot of successful TV ads and they have a lot of TV presence. Um, you should know, however, that they're they're owned by a pharmaceutical giant. So if you test with them, your DNA is basically sold. Yeah. So the privacy there is questionable. But if you just want to connect with somebody and you don't care about that, then 23andMe is for you. Uh, another good option is the FTDNA company, Family Tree DNA. And they are famous for their Y chromosome and their mitochondrial test. Um, you want to get the Family Finder test. And they've got a lot of people testing with them. you got a good shot there. Then there is my heritage. If you think you got Jewish ancestry at all, or like you got brown hair and brown eyes and you're pale, uh, my heritage is headquartered in Israel. And they've got 92 million users worldwide. And they support 42 different languages and they've got facial recognition software. So that's pretty cool. Lastly, um, WeGene, W-E-G-E-N-E. They are a big company. They specialize in Asian populations. So they're based in China. And they've got a lot of Asian people in their database. So if you're Asian, then... Weijing might be for you. Okay, so that's um, ordering the wrong test. You don't want to do that. So those are the ones that we recommend, starting with AncestryDNA.com. So with some of these companies, you can take your test just once with one company like AncestryDNA.com, and then you can upload your DNA to a. Uh, you can upload the raw data file results to other databases for a small fee. A much smaller fee than retaking a whole new test with a whole new company. So do a little online research before paying the full price for a second test, because if you can just upload your results from one, from one company to the other, you can save a lot of money. And the, the processes can be different depending on the uh, internal scientific processes of, of the company. So anyways, okay. The second mistake people make on their DNA journeys is they waste the weight. So after you've taken your DNA test and you're waiting for your results, now you need to use the wait time to educate yourself. So you take your test, you send it in. When you're waiting for your results, now you want to get online and you want to go to the genealogy training videos on YouTube. 
I'm not getting paid by Ancestry.com. We're just promoting it because we believe in it. So Ancestry.com has a wonderful collection of training videos that we really recommend. So you can spend just hours learning about genetics and genealogy with all their free videos. Um, do this while you're waiting because when you get results back, then you can take action. And this type of research, uh, it's for the determined individual, you know, the self-starter. But it's available for free. So if you really want to learn this stuff, you can. If you um, don't really want to do any of the research, my my mom can help. Uh, so she takes donations and she, she does the research. You can go to dnamyfamilytree.com and you can get a search angel, professional search angel to, to help you. Um, but if you want to save the money and do it yourself, just go to Ancestry.com's YouTube channel. It's really helpful. The third big mistake that people make is they message their connections right away. Rookies always do this. They, they get a genetic connection, and immediately they message them. Huge mistake. Oh, my gosh. Huge mistake. So you see a close match... And you message them, but then that other person, they get freaked out. They get really freaked out. They realize that, you know, there could be a family scandal that I don't know about. There's this unwelcome outsider. Or they don't know that they're donor-conceived, too. This is totally new information, and it's... You're, you're dropping a bomb on their lap. And so a lot of times what happens is they block you, or they make their DNA account private. They feel threatened. So this essentially eliminates a really excellent source of information um, for your search results and efforts. So you just, just do not message them right away. What you need to do instead is you need to keep it cool. And before you reach out, just review what they've published already. Review their family tree. Take note of all their family history. Write it down do screenshots, you know, that's research. Just gather all that data and wealth of knowledge that you can from their database and their connections without ever contacting them. Um, it, an appropriate time to message them, um, in short, it's, it's only after you've gathered everything you possibly can from their, possi from their public information. fourth mistake rookies make is they they pass their work off they pass it off to someone else they don't take responsibility for the for the research they need to do so when you do message somebody like a genetic contact don't put the onus on them to figure out how exactly you're connected don't say hey i think we're related can you figure it out like no no. Huge turnoff. People are busy, you know? Like, genealogy, it's just a hobby. They've all got jobs. They've all got kids and car payments and, like, like cancer and stuff, you know? Don't put this on them. So you are not entitled to other people's time, and they are not obligated to help you figure out the puzzle of your family tree, even if you ask nicely. So don't make your precious cousins and genetic connections do your dirty work for you. 
because they're just going to send you that Steely Dan song. I don't want to do your dirty work no more. Anyways, great song. You should check it out. They don't want to do that for you. Nobody does. You may, however, ask some specific questions that you believe they have ready answers for. So based on what you've already gleaned from all their public information, because you know you took your screenshots, you 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 downloaded their family tree, you now you can ask them really specific questions. For example, um, like here's the scene. Okay, you've taken your ancestry test and you notice that in the database you've got this match. Her name is Jane Jetson. And Jane Jetson is likely a second cousin of yours. You also notice that Jane, you and Jane, share DNA matches with Bobby and Elroy Jetson. So um, it would be smart of you to ask, hey, it looks like I share DNA with you as well as Bobby and Elroy. Can you share with me how exactly you're related to Bobby and Elroy? Okay, that's a specific question based off of research you've already taking responsibility for. So Jane might answer you back. She might say, Bobby is my brother and Elroy is my first cousin. And so that's productive information that you can fit into your family tree. And good job, you did it without offending your precious family member. Okay, the fifth mistake that people make when they are doing their DNA journey is they map out the family tree wrong. So most rookie genealogists, they don't have a clue how to efficiently organize the names and the evidence that they receive when researching their genealogy. Like they don't know, do I put it on a wall with post-it notes, like beautiful minded, or do I like put it in a binder? Like what do you do? So, no, you don't need markers and post-it notes. Um, and, you know, you don't want to waste a lot of time. Like, your time is precious, too. You don't want to waste it. So here's how you organize it. And, again, we're not getting paid by Ancestry.com. We're not getting paid. I wish. I should. I should ask them. Does anybody have an in with them? Can I, like, I, their affiliate program is bonkers. But, anyways, okay, Ancestry.com, Family Tree Builder Software. Ancestry.com Family Tree Builder Software. That's what we recommend as far as like now what do you do with the information that you have. There is a periodical fee, but apparently it's well worth it. So it is the most efficient way that we have found to map out your family tree. If money is an issue for you, they do have a free seven-day trial. But once that seven-day trial runs out, um, what you should do is you should buy the longest subscription that you can afford. So the longer, you know, they've got like, it's less money, the longer the subscription. So they give you like a discount if you get a full year or two years or something. So buy the longest you can afford, excuse me, and that'll help you on your journey. Because sometimes it can take a long time before you get like your big clue. And so now you've got your Ancestry.com Family Tree Builder software. Now what you want to do, this is the sixth mistake people make. Um, Now you want to fully utilize their hint tools. So some people, they get the software, but then they don't use all the tools. 
You want to use their hint tools. So, um, what they have, they have these hint tools that profoundly assist you in the process of building your family tree. So the software provides these green leaf hints, and what they do is they suggest genealogical relationships. So you got to use your common sense, like it's not going to do everything for you, but you can definitely weed out um, the correct from the incorrect hints and really speedily build out your family tree. And so when you so you got your ancestry.com family tree builder software, you're using their green hints. Now you want to attach everybody to you. And when you get into it, that's gonna make sense. So you 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 don't want to build out other people's family trees. Like you start with yourself and then everybody else gets attached to you. So there's one tree, it's yours, and everyone gets attached to you somehow. Um you got to manually attach people to you. And as you attach more and more people, and as you get more and more green leaf hints, um, the software starts to, to really flesh this out for you. And this is an important advantage. It's going to save you so much work. So much work. Countless hours and hours and hours of work. Now, the seventh mistake people make is and I touched on this, but it's making too many family trees. When creating family trees, people will use like one DNA match from let's say a third cousin, and then they'll map out that matches family tree. Don't map out other people's family trees. And, and then what they'll do is they'll use the next DNA match they get, and then they'll map out a whole new family tree for that other person. It's super inefficient. It's a waste of time. Um, the ultimate goal is to link all the DNA cousins together. So use one tree right from the start. One tree and you are the center of that tree. Okay? Don't waste your time. So you're going to use this, you're going to create this one master family tree using Ancestry.com's family tree software. And you're going to put each of your DNA matches and everything you can find out about them in that one master tree. And then you're going to have all these floating people because you don't know how everybody connects. But eventually, they will connect. And so your task is to find out how everybody ties back to you. So once, like, let's go back to Jane Jetson. Once she says, oh, Bobby's my brother. Well, that's when you take Bobby, and then you connect both him and Jane into your master tree. Got it? Okay, the eighth mistake people make when doing their DNA research is they um, fail to utilize old school genealogy techniques. Old school genealogy techniques are good and they're still relevant. They're still very relevant. So what you want to do is you want to look into public records. You want to investigate the birth, death, marriage records of your ancestors Reading census data, very important. So census data is public knowledge um, going back f backwards from 1940. So anything before 1940, that's census data, is fair game. You can look it up. And the last publicly available um, census was 1940, but anybody, anybody living before then can be found, which is great. You can use immigration certificates, birth certificates, marriage certificates, marriage records, divorce decrees, all that using the Ancestry search feature. 
You can join a genealogical society if you've got one in the local area. Libraries. Um, there's library records. You can read anything online as well as Ancestry.com articles. And at the YouTube videos on Ancestry.com's YouTube channel, they have genealogists there giving great pointers all the time. So this information is available to you um, at a, if not for free, very affordable price. Okay, um, last mistake that people make in their DNA journeys is they choose to be ignorant of genetic terms and relationships. So, you know, I guess you kind of got to be a little bit smart to, to be a DNA detective. That's true, but you're most likely capable of figuring stuff out. But you need to know, you know, what is a cinnamorgan? What's the difference between second cousins, third cousins? What's a DNA match and what is a cinnamorgan statistic? There's different charts created to help you know what that DNA share is and what it means in a relationship. And um, I'm going to put a download of a, um, the Cinemorgan chart in the notes of this so you can download the, the chart which demonstrates like you take a test and it shows you how many Cinemorgans you have with a genetic match and it'll tell you like are you a parent? Are you a full sibling? Are you a first cousin, second cousin, third cousin, or distant cousin? Um, based off of the number of Cinemorgans that you share. Also, another good tool you can go use is dnapainter.com. dnapainter.com lets you plug in your matching Cinemorgans DNA, and then it gives you like a color-coded map of your genes compared to the other family member. So they say on their website, DNA Painter is an easy-to-use tool that helps genealogists make sense of DNA testing. By mapping segments of DNA to chromosomes, we can begin to see which ancestors gave us which pieces of DNA, and thus how new matches are related. As a result, DNA Painter has quickly become an essential tool for genealogists. So that might be a good tool for you. So, um, check out that download for the Cinemorgans um, chart. And I also want to encourage you to visit anonymousus.org, which is the story collective site I founded for donor-conceived people, donors, and parents. Um, I hope that these nine tips for your DNA journey are helpful. If you have hang-ups or you get stuck or you just need like a real experienced uh search angel to come to your rescue when you get in a rut somewhere you, my my mom's great and she wants to make herself available um so her website is dnamyfamilytree.com you can reach out and get your uh questions answered and we honestly sincerely wish you the best of luck in this journey to find whoever it is you're looking for um thank you for listening and please share this podcast with whomever you think might benefit from it. Thanks again. Bye-bye.